Luke chapter 2. Now the characters of Christmas are the people that are surrounding Christ at four weeks, so four different uh, um, impacted people that, four different groups of people that have impacted, so a different, different group every week of people that were around during the time of Christ's birth. So we, we're starting off this week, and, and of course I'm starting off with around the time of the birth of Christ. Pastor Devonshire, you know, as God wants, he'll be continuing on with the series every Sunday at 11 o'clock. But I'm here first to read about the birth of Jesus Christ from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into, Gal into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So verse 7 is the key verse. I'll read it once more. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I want to preach on the title of a message, Making an Impact. Making an Impact. Right. Reverend Tuhit, would you please pray for the message in the message of service? Amen. You may be seated. Again, the title of the message is Making an Impact. We already talked about the, the series and, and what it is about. It's the, the theme of the series, the characters of Christmas, various people that were alive around the time of the birth of Christ and how their successes or failures can be applied to our own lives. I want to, uh, to set a, a, a vision for you this, this week about making an impact, making an impact, about how you don't have to have something big to make an impact, that you don't have to be some great, important person to make an impact. Every one of us can make an impact in the world and in our world. It does not take a whole lot, but you can make an impact. I want you to have that vision before you. However, what do taxes, travelers, and taverns have to do with making an impact? You take the word tavern. I know we understand taxes, amen? All right. I know we understand travelers, people that are going from one place to another, but the word tavern, you may be confused. The word tavern, as we, as we think about our verse, verse 7, our key verse, that there was no room for them in the end. Do you remember that? 
that Jesus, we remember, we always remember the story. We remember the nativity scene where we see Jesus being born in the manger. Why? They, they, that they laid him in that manger because there was no room for him in the inn. The inn used to be called a tavern. Now it's associated with what? Beer, right? Ale and alcohol. But it used to be called the tavern. So we have taxes, travelers, and taverns. What do they have to do with anything? Because they show us that how we are living makes an impact in our lives. And we may be able to grab an opportunity or miss an opportunity, depending on how we have been living. I want my life to make an impact. I want to be remembered when I'm gone. Not for something bad, however, but for something good. I want to leave a good legacy for my wife. And I have one child. I want to leave a good legacy for them, for my family, for my, my church, for those that know me. I want to leave a good legacy, but it depends on how we live. It depends on what happens in between birth and death. And so we want to look at three things this morning, taxes, travelers, and taverns. I want to read part of a poem called The Dash. Some of you may have heard it before, and we may have made a reference to it before. This is your first time out to the service. We are so glad that you are here. Please come back. Don't stay away. We want you to get all of the series that you can. But part of the dash, the dash poem was written by Linda Ellis. And I came across this maybe in the Bible college or maybe in, in reading. You know, I was trying to, we're always trying to improve ourselves and do something, something better. We want to be better than we were yesterday, than we were last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. We don't want to stay the same. But this poem says, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from beginning to the end. He noted that the first, at first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what, what mattered most of all was the dash between the years. For the dash represented all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. So how you spend your dash matters. What you do in between that, that first date and that last date, it has a way to change someone else's life. It has a way to make an impact. We want to look at these taxes and see exactly what they are here. Verses 1 and 2 in Luke chapter 2. I'll read it again. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. We have to ask the question, who is this Caesar Augustus? If you're not a history major. You may not know who Caesar Augustus is, but he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. His real name was Octavius, but he took the name Caesar. But Augustus was not a normal name. The Senate at that time, they, they tried to give him a name. 
They wanted to call him king or emperor, but that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to take the title of Caesar. But Augustus had some type of God-like power to it. He was trying to deify himself. He was trying to say that he was a god. So he's already going the wrong direction. He said, I'm, I'm like one of the gods. I'm like God. So we already see him going the wrong way. But he wanted these taxes to make an impact, a financial impact, not on the country, but on his own life. So he signed a tax bill that the whole world, now this whole world didn't include the United States, why there was no United States back then. It was whatever world that they had conquered that the Roman government had conquered back then. And so he wanted everybody to be taxed, but he needed to know who everybody was. Why did he want more taxes? Because he wanted to raise money for an army. He wanted to be able to protect himself and his, his empire, but also those taxes would go towards him living in luxury. And isn't that what we see people doing daily? The financial impact of life, that they make it a priority in their own lives, that I want to protect my image. I want to protect my household, but I, I want to protect the things that I've worked so hard to amass. I want to protect my health, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when we make it a priority over God, welcome to church this morning, amen? We come to church, and I, I was thinking about it this morning. I said, well, you know, I, I usually get up, and I'm preaching against sin and everything like that. But I want to encourage you that if you're in the house of God, more than likely the majority of you are Christian. And I want to encourage you and exhort you to think about your life spiritually. What is it that you're doing and with the financial aspect? of your life that you're trying to protect something or you're trying to live a better life than you have right now but what are you doing to try to do that and put that over God himself what are you doing with that financial impact to say well I've got to work two jobs or three jobs I've got to have everything that I want while it's making a financial impact in my life but what impact is it making on your soul what does it profit? Jesus had something to say about that, didn't he? What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose what? Lose his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What can we give in exchange for our soul? It's eternal. You only get one. And so if we're going to trade it in for money, if we're going to trade it in for the things of this world in order to live better, if we're going to trade that in, is that really a good trade-off for things that are going to pass away? I want you to think about that as you, as you look at your life and you see where your priorities have been this year, where your priorities have been this month, this week, even yesterday. What were your priorities in your life? Now, if you're not saved and you've never heard anything like this before, hold on to your seat, okay? 
All right, we don't, we don't want you to just say, hey, what is this all about? This is all about spirituality. This is all about feeding the soul. This is all about making sure that my life is right with God, that God is the priority of my life because Jesus said no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one or love the other. He'll hold the one or espouse the other. You cannot serve God or mammon. Jesus didn't say, go out there and try. This is an experiment. Go out there and see if you can do both. No, he said, you cannot. If Jesus said, you can't do something, what does that mean? You can't do it. We've tried, and it does not work. We've tried to build up our financial freedom and our financial castles and everything, but it does not work. It does not feed us spiritually. It still leaves us empty. You can try all you want to go up the highest ladder and be CEO, but yet I've heard and read the stories time and time again. It is not enough. Look at Holly Weird. Amen. Six wives, drugs, all messed up, all the money in the world. Still not enough. And so Caesar, he wanted to Get it all. But what trade-off are we making? The definition of trade-off is the exchange of one thing for another of more or less equal value, especially the effect of compromise. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a philosopher, a professor. C.S. Lewis was a man who was an atheist. C.S. Lewis got saved. He got saved. He began to write different, different books on different, different subjects, but he wrote a book called The Great Divorce. I was intrigued by that. I was wondering, what, what is this about? But in this book, it wasn't about divorce, you know, as, as we talk about divorce today. God doesn't like divorce, you know, but I'm not really talking about that this morning. We're talking, I mean, in, in terms of divorce, I'm talking about separation, separation and division, and so C.S. Lewis in his book, he said that spiritually you cannot have heaven and hell at the same time. You cannot hold on to both. If you're going to have heaven, you cannot have hell too. God will not allow it. What does that mean? That you can't live a, a spiritual life and that you're going to be going to, to pray and to seek God and to, and to read the Bible and invite people to church and give everything to God. You're not going to want hell if you want heaven. But the same thing, if you're going to try to get what you can and, and have hell in your life, I mean, you're going to go get drunk and you're going to try to lay up with people or you're going to just dis disobey God and God's word, you're not going to want heaven. You can't have both. And so you can't have the best of both worlds. You're going to have to either pick one or the other. It's the great divide in your life. you got to come to the realization that I've got to either have one or the other. I hope you choose heaven this morning. I chose heaven over 25 years ago. I chose to have heaven in my life. And I'm sure that there's other people here this morning that chose the same thing. I wanted to have heaven more than anything else. It sounded like it was more important. It sounded like I needed it for my eternal soul. Somebody told me I needed to get saved. And so I went down to a church and I said, I need to get saved. 
But what did that mean? That, mean, that meant that I had to give up some things. I didn't understand it all in the beginning. And maybe, maybe you're just hearing a message like this for the first time and you thought, well, I could live both ways. No, you cannot. You have to either live one way or the other. God won't allow you to enjoy both. You cannot serve two masters. Well, I'll be God. I'll let God, I'll be God in my life. You can't be God. God has to be God in your life. What are you willing to give up to have God? What ideas do you, do you have in your life? What are you doing in your life that you say, you know what, if I could have God, if I could be spiritual, if I could just pray and God would move, if I could pray and, and lay hands on somebody and that they're sick and they get healed, what am I willing to have to, to have something like that? What am I willing to give up in my life? Am I willing to get up an extra hour early to have God to work in my life? What am I willing to, to sing and give God glory? What am I willing to do to see people come to church? What are you willing to give up? What is it in your life that you are trying to amass and trying to focus on instead of having God? Think about it. What is it in your life? Is it it instant gratification? You say, I got to heaven and I want it now, even if it's wrong, because I got to feel good about myself. What are you willing to give up? What ideas, what are, what are you doing in your life? Job in the way. Somebody you're living with that you're not married to. Are you willing to give them up? You say, hey, baby, you know what? I, I gave my life to Jesus, and um, we can't do this anymore. Are you scared? You're not going to find anybody else? Well, if they say, well, I'm out of here. Bye. See you. Good. God to give me somebody else that wants to serve him. I'd rather have somebody that wants to serve God than somebody that doesn't. Amen. God's got somebody better for you anyway. One guy, I was talking to one guy the other day. He said, it's complicated. I said, well, it may be, but God can uncomplicate your life. Amen. What are you not willing to give up? What is it in your life that you are not willing to give up? I'm talking about this in the, in, the, in the things that are good. You have to make your mind up. There are some things that you have to give up, but there are some things that you definitely do not want to give up. I'm not willing to give up my relationship with God to have a career. I'm not willing to give up one church service so I can be out somewhere making another dollar. I'm not willing to give any of that up. I'm not willing to give up my, my, my family in order to be out there working and slaving and, and never being able to come home. I'm not willing to give up the, the things that I can watch my daughter do that I can't make up any other time. With her first time that she's going to speak or, or walk or do something or even to give her heart to God and to tell her about Jesus Christ. I'm not willing to give that stuff up. I want to make sure that my life is making an impact in my family and that is good and it's everlasting. There's some things I'm not willing to give up because I want God to be number one in my life. 
And so because of these things, we're still talking about this, this thing that happened, all these things that have, that have gone on. If we, are, if we give up something to have God, if we give up something to have God, God is going to bless us. But if we grab something and we take that thing and said, I'd rather have this than I have God. Pastor Davis, when I was in Bible college, he said, whatever you give God up for will leave you. Whatever you leave God for, that thing will leave you. Because that's something that God does not want you to have. So I have to make my mind up. And so we're still talking about this today. Why? Because this man made a, he wanted to make a financial impact in his own life and build up these things. But what happened with Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ wasn't trying to come here and make a financial impact. He wanted to come and make a spiritual impact. Jesus Christ came here and he was born of a poor family. He went, came and down here. He wasn't born among the kings. He didn't take the title of Caesar, but he took the title of a human baby. And he came and he was born. He came and he came to fight against sin. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make an impact in your life. And so that when you decided that you wanted to get right with God and that you needed something from God and that you would pray and that you would want to give yourself to God, that you would be able to get to God. And you rose up and lifted up that hand and say, God, I need you to free me from alcohol. God, I need you to free me from drugs. God, I need you to free me from hatred. That you would be able to come in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, would cleanse you from all sin. He wanted to make that impact in your life. Next are the travelers. The travelers, the busy travelers. Where were they going? There was the census. What was this taxes? Now we talked a little bit about the taxes. And so they were going out to to get their names enrolled. You know, Caesar, he had to know how many people there were, how much taxes that he was going to amass. And so these travelers, they were going from place to place. And then we find Mary and Joseph that they're going out to Bethlehem. They're going out to Bethlehem. Like Christmas shoppers, these travelers were trying to get somewhere. We were out soul winning, and we spent the last two Saturdays, there was a group of us, we spent the last two Saturdays out inviting people out to church at the South County Mall. One hour of handing out cars, and we passed out hundreds of cars. That's how many people are down there in the mall. I think the first weekend we passed out about 400 cars, something, in an hour. That's how many people are down there. <laughs> and so they're, they're busy travelers, they're, they're going from place to place, but... Are there minds on Jesus? Is your mind on Jesus when you're trying to get that, that last deal? If you take it out of that other person's cart when they're not looking? <laughs> Is your mind really on Jesus? Remember one year, my wife and I, we went, we went down to, uh, it was Black Friday shopping down there at Walmart, but it was late at night. I think it was the night of Thanksgiving and we, after we had church service. And we, we went down there because I had never been down to Black Friday shopping. I wanted to see what was going on down there. So I went down there and they had this line of, for the TVs down there. Line just, you know, wrapped around inside the store. And I was looking for something that was on the shelf. And so I, 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 you know, I wasn't Black Friday shopping, but I asked the lady, hey, uh, she was sitting, sitting down on the shelf. And I asked her, um, can, can you hand me that there? She growled at me. <laughs> <clears throat> 
She handed it to me. I was just kind of scared to take it. I didn't know if she was going to bite my hand or what. And she was in the line. I don't know if she thought I was trying to trick her or something to get her out of line. I, didn't, I wasn't sure. I just kind of gave it back to her. And just, oh, I'm not coming back down here. <laughs> but are our minds really on Jesus at this time of year? If we go back to the Dash poem, read a little bit more. So think about this long and hard. Are, are there things that you would like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. Have people wouldn't invite them out to church have people say, hey, I, I, I got all these problems going on. I can't come. I got to work out all these things before I come to church. That's the wrong answer. It, and nothing has ever worked out good when I've been out of church. Nothing. I started out in church, and then I, I got away from church. I joined the army, and I was away from church for, for about a year. It was terrible. It was terrible. I go back thinking about that now, and I wonder, what was I thinking? But God allowed me to go through that so that maybe I would never think about doing it again. So that maybe I, when it came up in my mind that that temptation to come and to be away from church and to sit out and just, just to do my own thing and, and to think about uh, how whatever I can get besides God, maybe God allowed me to go through that so that I would never have that temptation again. And so when the time came and when things happened and when it came time for me when I was in the army, I had to be separated from my unit. It was the worst thing seemed like that ever happened to me because I wanted to be in church. I wanted to be around the brethren. I wanted I wanted to be there where God was moving. I wanted it in my heart. I didn't want to miss out on what God was doing in my life. But there were busy travelers that day going from place to place trying to get to the census. And as they were doing that, Jesus Christ was being born. The Savior of the world was being born. Their very redemption was right there. Maybe the problems that they were thinking about or the things that were there in the back of their mind. Right there, they had an opportunity, maybe, to see the Son of God. They weren't even thinking about it. They, were, they didn't have it on their minds. They should have the Jew. They knew that there was a Messiah coming. They knew that there was somebody that one day would be born. That would save them. That would completely change everything for them. And we've talked about Jesus over and over again. The Son of God who came and gave his life as a ransom for many. Don't miss your opportunity to get to God and have salvation today because you're so busy with everything else. Busyness can be a sin because it can overtake you and you get your mind off of God and the things of God and that very thing that you say, wow, I could have been in church. I could have got that answer that I needed. You missed it because you decided to stay home. You missed it because it could have been in that Bible reading that you, you would have gotten in, but you missed it because you took an opportunity to do something else. And Facebook became more important. Or what was on Instagram and the various things that are out there. We're talking about making an impact today, man. 
I want these things to make an impact in your lives. That's the vision that I want you to have. I want these things to make an impact in your life today. The last thing we want to talk about is the tavern. Taxes, travelers, and tavern. The tavern, the inn. I want to talk about the inn. We know that there was no room at the inn for Jesus to stay. There was no room. A lot of people don't make room in their lives for Jesus. They have no room. But we have to make room in our lives for Christ. Should church revolve around my life? Or should my life revolve around the church? Shouldn't God be at the center of our lives and we, we, we change our lives in order to make sure that God is number one? Shouldn't that be the way that it's supposed to be? Shouldn't it be that we, we make it our focus to, to have God to work in our lives? That's how it should be. But there was no room at the inn. And so think about the innkeeper. We say hardly anything about the innkeeper. But what's great about the innkeeper? The travelers were coming because of the taxes. They had to write their names down. And so they were going from place to place in these various inns. They were strategically placed. And then when people were traveling from one place to another, they had a place to stop and rest and to, and to feed their animals. But this particular one that Mary and Joseph came to, it was full. And so they came. Imagine them coming to the innkeeper. And the innkeeper had a full place. Pockets full. Everything's all right. The sign says no vacancy. Imagine the innkeeper. What would have people have done today? Go to the desk and say, hey, I really need a room. Do you see this woman here? I really need a room. People today, sorry, no room for you. Too bad. Get turned away. But what did the innkeeper do? What's the great thing about the innkeeper? The innkeeper looked at the inventory of what he had, and he said, I'll make room for you. I'll make a space for you. I, you know, I, all I've got is this manger back here, but at least it's something. I can give you something. And that's the exact, exact thing that God wants us to do. You know what, Jesus? I'm going to make room for you in my life. You know, my life is busy working 8, 10, 12 hours a day. But you know what? I'm going to make room for you in my life. Jesus, you're trying to get in. I'm not going to turn you away this time. I'm going to make room for you in my life. Today is the day that everything changes. Today is the day that I pray and I give my heart to God. Jesus, I'm not going to turn you away like other people have. I'm going to make room and give you an opportunity to come on into my life. You know that we were blessed because that man made room. It made an impact. This man, we're still talking about it today. Yes, there was no room, but he made room. He made a room. He made somewhere where Jesus could be. Will you make room for Jesus in your life today? Think about it. This man, all he had was that one tavern. He didn't have a whole lot to work with. He couldn't have built anything. But yet he decided, I'm going to have room. 
One person can make an impact in our lives today. One person, you might be that one person that makes an impact in somebody's life today. You can make an impact in your family. You can go back home and tell them about the church service. You can tell them what Jesus has done in your life today. You can tell them and they may give their heart to God. One person can make an impact in our streets. One person goes and tells somebody else and tells somebody else. And boy, we can have St. Louis on fire for God because you, that one person, decided to make an impact. One person can do something in the lives of many if we just decide I'm going to make room for Jesus today. Make room for Jesus today. We have room for everything else, don't we? We got room to go to work. We got room to eat. We got room to sleep. We have room for everything else. But when will we make time for Jesus And I'm praying that you make time for Jesus. They can come to the instruments. We're going to get ready to pray. The taxes. Caesar tried to build his own empire. Are you building your own empire instead of God's empire? Are you building up God and spirituality in your life? Are you just trying to protect what you've already built up? The travelers. They were going from place to place, not worried about God, not thinking about God at all, just trying to get their various duties done. But will you, Reverend Tui is going to come and lead us in altar call, will you decide, you know, I'm going to take an opportunity to think about God, to look at my life, to slow my life down, because we're living in the dash right now.